Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest World Cup Coleman Had a Dream podcast. What a fantastic thing to say. Um, I am joined as ever by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Good, good. Good morning. Yeah, that does sound cool, doesn't it? We're really there. We are actually at the World Cup. It's it's becoming very, very real, isn't it? That's the Wonderfully thing. real. It's, it's real now. It's always felt like it's been a long way off in the future, but now it is actually yeah. it's on the horizon. It is happening. We are yeah. going. We are we're there. We're there. We know who's going to be playing for us. We know the names of the twenty six players uh, from Wales who are going to have uh, World Cup winners medals in about six weeks from now, which is uh, very, very exciting. Um. We have got uh, a little bit of a squad pod for you today. Obviously, we talked about that last week. Um, we're going to be talking about the actual squad this week. I don't think we're a million miles away. There's no real surprises. Um, we're going to be talking about a little bit of an injury update. We're going to talk about what we're excited about and not excited about about the World Cup. And, of course, um, the official release of the Welsh song, which is um, David Yuan's Amor Al-Hid and, uh, and everything that's kind of come around with that, the video, everything about it, which was just fantastic. Um before we start, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping, if that's all right with you, Ruth. Um, we are supported by and supporting uh, Bagsy from BagsyBags.com. Um, great independent uh, retailer selling t-shirts, jumpers, bags, mugs, hoodies, everything that you could possibly need as you prepare for the World Cup in Qatar. Um, it's a lot of fantastic stuff. Also, everything that you buy using the code CHAD10 means that uh, that is 10% off for you but also it gives us a little bit of financial support to help keep this podcast free of charge as well equally if you want to support us please do so on buymeacoffee.com forward slash coleman's dream where you can support us donate a couple of quid or dollars i think it comes up as um to keep this podcast free um so thank you very much to everyone who supported us so far we massively appreciate it uh equally massive thanks to again to everyone who is following our website colemanhadadream.com we've got some fantastic articles coming up and coming out at the moment so please uh, please do go there and have a look at our special World Cup page and thank you again to everyone who has contributed in a writing sense uh, to the work we have produced and, and, and put out on colemanhadadream.com um, so there you go I think that is my admin done um, we will start talking about some football um, Ruth I think the big surprise uh, if there is such a thing was that Tom Lockyer was in the squad as a replacement for Reese Norris Davis. What are your thoughts on that decision? Um, I think it's an interesting choice, as we dis- we discussed. Well, we we dis- we've discussed several times actually, and I, I in particular value Lockyer in the squad, and I've been surprised that we've not seen him since the the Finland game over a, over a year ago now, and I'm um, pleased to see him back. I think his play for Luton, you know, warrants an inclusion. I think the choice is interesting, perhaps forced more by Joe Allen's situation. Obviously, obviously fundamentally, it's a result of Reese Norrington Davis's injury. But I think Joe Allen's situation plays into this as well. Um, it was actually quite concerning listening to BBC Wales yesterday. They were talking about the potential of him not playing in any of the group games um, and that perhaps being what, Page is expecting, um, and I think I think the knock on from that is that Ampadu is probably playing in holding midfield, which means you're not just missing Reese Norrington Davis at the back. You, you really you've got to sort of acknowledge that you're missing Ampadu at the back as well. And so, I think that's why we've ended up with effectively ten players you can class as D nine if you don't cast Ampadu. And I think Lockie's definitely got a place in that. 
number of uh, of players and he's he's never let us down he's been a dependable center back he's played a bit with both Mepham and and Rodden and Ben Davies so I think you know I think there's some I don't think it's as straightforward as Reese Norrington Davies's absence I think there's a bigger picture in thing here around Ampadu's role as well yeah, I agree, and I think that's probably why we've got people um, more midfield uh, players as well. I, I thought that, yeah. you know, I know we talked about it last time. We mentioned that Levitt and Smith both going um, was probably going to be a direct consequence of, mm-hmm. of of what's happened with Joe Allen, and I think that's still true, and I think that's probably reflected in the fact that um, uh, Jordan James, for example, from Birmingham City is on, like, the reserved lists along with, with Luke Harris as well. So I think that is also reflective of the situation, and I think it's not just as black and white um, as some people think. I, I, the, 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 one that, the thing that did interest me about it was that James Lawrence wasn't called up because he has been called up more recently, um, and he is a left footer. I think they mm-hmm. just fancied the fact that Tom Lockyer's probably a bit, bit more versatile. He's a bit quicker. I would say as well, and Reese Longington Davis is a is a fast player. So I think all of those things kind of played into it. It's de- look, it's definitely the right decision. Uh, it's just a surprising one because he's kind of come a little bit from nowhere uh, in the sense that he's not played for a year. Um, but I think it was a fair decision. The other the other one that kind of st- do you do you on. think Nathan Jones's opinion of him may have played a part there? Do you think that's do you think that's input that Paige trusts? Um. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I think that it's the same with everything in this kind of uh, context, really, is that you, you can find a way to to, mm-hmm. to dig into to how pages or whoever has got to their decision, if you'd like. Um, I think I think it's because whatever the personal relationship is, was, and there must have been something that's happened to stop him being picked for the last year. Whatever that situation is, he knows that on a footballing sense, he can trust Tom Lockyer. And for me, he's not going to be a dick in the squad. He's not going to unsettle other people. He's going to be dependable, reliable, and no frills. And that's what you're going to get. And I think that has been the deciding factor, in my opinion, because I I think he knows that it's a no... It's a no-brainer, really. He knows what he's going to get out of that situation. Yeah, you can gamble, but you don't know what that person's going to be like on a long trip and whatever. I think that he's probably will have taken the input of of of, of Gareth Bale or or Chris Gunter or Johnny Williams or whoever as much as he will have taken someone else's uh, input as well. So, yeah, you you could be right. I I think it's just a, a balance on 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 lots of different areas. I think. Um, the other kind of notables, if you like, for me were um, Ruben Colwell. I think I was a little bit surprised he was in on the basis that he's not played so much. He's been injured a little bit. And I think that feeds into something we're going to talk about a bit later on as well. But him and um, Mark Harris. Now, it's not a surprise that Mark Harris is is there, so to speak. Um, It's just more that Tyler Roberts wasn't. I know Tyler Roberts has had a bit of a knock recently. So that's obviously what's played into that. But... um, yeah, I, I just wonder your thoughts on those two in particular because I think Colwell has been, you know, in and out of the Cardiff side even when he has been fit. He's not been starting every week. Um, and a lot of calls for Ollie Cooper as well. Like we did a, a poll uh, yesterday just before the squad came out. If there's going to be one surprise, so to speak, who would you like it to be? And Ollie Cooper won that vote. Something like 67% of people who voted in that wanted Ollie Cooper to be the surprise, if you like. So there's there's definitely a bit a few question marks on that decision. Um, but... Uh, I'm not sure I would have taken Colwell if I'm being totally honest, but I can see why he has. Um, 
I can also see why he's taking on Mark Harris, especially if Tyler Roberts is injured. I think that's that's the correct decision. I did a little blog yesterday, if you want to go and have a look at that, on commonhaddadream.com about these people coming in. And uh, Mark Harris's movement is excellent. I mentioned the Belarus game where I think he had a real impact on the game and changed it and got the def- the, the Belarusian defence kind of running backwards a bit. Uh, and equally, he came on and had a big impact in the goal uh, that Gareth Bale scored to win that game. Uh, same on, on the weekend against Sunderland. He, 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 he started, he was he's full of running, he's high energy, He's high press, he's high intensity, and I think Rob Page kind of likes that variety in the squad as well. So I'm I'm glad Mark Harris is going. I think that's a that's a good decision. But both slight slight surprises, perhaps in slightly different ways. If you want to look at it that, but I just wondered what you thought, Ruth. Um, in Tyler Roberts's case, I think unfortunately for him, I think it's just one niggly injury too many for Page to be comfortable to carry in the squad. Uh, I think when you look at Obviously, Joe Allen's situation, the fact that Colwell's coming back. Joe Morrell seems to be over his knock, but, you know, he was he was getting um, FAW physio treatment not so long ago. Just all of that going on, I think Tyler Roberts is just, it was just one risk too many. And I think it was about the injury risk rather than necessarily the playing risk would be my interpretation of that. So I think he's just been unfortunate with the timing of his injury in the scope of the other things that are going on across the across the 26. Yeah, Colwell, I imagine that Tuesday's game, where he came on for the last sort of 15 minutes or so, I wonder if that was a a kind of a test almost. You know, if he can come in, get through that, yeah, we'll we'll risk taking him under those circumstances. He's got another 10 days before we may need to play him. Um he he seems to be valued in the squad disproportionately to what we're seeing from Cardiff. And then, and then I think there's different there's different arguments there about how Cardiff are using him versus how we've used him. But I think Page has been loyal to the guys that got us here. And I, I don't think that's the wrong scenario. I, it's, it doesn't feel like the time to be throwing in someone who hasn't even been in a squad such as Ollie Cooper. And as well as he's playing, I, I just don't think we're in a position to start effectively experimenting. I think we're much better off going with the tried and tested. If we were having this discussion in March when we've got a whole new set of qualifiers coming up, if he wasn't in the squad, then I would I, I would be with a lot of those Swansea fans. I, you know, I think we're at a time where you've got to move forward with some new blood. But this next, whatever it is, six weeks or so, isn't the time for that. And I, I don't think when you haven't got friendly warm-up games, you haven't got like, you know, a camp in Portugal followed by a camp at the Vale and, you know, not playing France, or, you know, like we were in warming up for the, the, uh, the tournament last year. I think we, I think we and Paige are just, in the right sense, playing this safe, going with what he knows, going with a, a squad that's going to hit the ground running, and running in the sense of the dynamic in within the camp, his expectations. There's just nothing new to set out. And, and I think that was always, in this particular set of circumstances around this World Cup, was always going to work against the player that suddenly shines this season, which is what's happened with Ollie Cooper. I think you also can't underplay the importance of the dynamic. Like you've talked about that. You mentioned that a few times there. And I think that's just massive because... 
you're in a, like you say, you've got a week's turnaround, basically. I think it's Premier League games happening on Sunday. We're playing on a week Monday. So, you know, there'll be, for some people who are playing in the Premier League, there'll be a week until their first game. Um, then, obviously, you're in a totally different kind of environment and country. It's not like, you know, when they were in France, I think you're able to travel around, go to different places, kind of see different things uh, in that sense. And you can be away from the fans and, and away from the the media glare. And here, that's not going to be the case. It's a tiny place. It's, you know, everyone's going to be kind of on top of each other. Um, and, I, and I think that having that togetherness is, is almost more important than having a gamble on a kid and I know that sounds daft perhaps but I, th- I do think that's really important and I think that's why Gunter and, and, and Johnny Williams will be there well are there I think that's the that's the key thing behind that and they know that there's you know we have a joke with one of my Newcastle groups we have like who are Newcastle going to sign next we have you know we joke about what we call a no dickheads policy um, and and I think Wales are employing the same thing. I think it's the reason that Tom Lawrence isn't in the squad, despite how well he's going. I, you know, and I, and I think there's there's question marks about a few others for the in in that reason. Volks was another one who someone was mentioned to me yesterday. Obviously, Page doesn't fancy him. They've had a bit of back and forth. Okay, mate. Yeah, you know, I'm not having you. So, I think that's a big part of the whole situation, and I think it can't be underestimated. Again, you're going into something. You've got a week to settle in. Do all your drills, your tactics. They're going to be people carrying knocks. There's going to be all sorts of stuff going on, and then bang, you're in your first World Cup game. And like bloody hell, what a you know, what an environment to walk into. You can't be you know, feeding people into the group and hoping people settle in well and whatever. You've just got to be bang. I also think part of that is you know they are young. There's a couple of those boys who are young boys who haven't played before. Again, you know, these are lads who are. As I say, young boys, and they're going to be away from home for a long time, you know. And I, I don't think you can underplay the 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 importance of that sort of thing when you, you know, looking at being together ideally for six weeks. So, I think there's a lot of factors that feed into it beyond just a just a football one. Um, obviously, injuries are going to be a big part of of the situation, and and, and Joe Allen is our big concern at the moment. Uh, it's great Ethan Ampadu was playing regularly, played ninety minutes um uh, on the weekend, um. I think we've got we've had concerns over Bale and Ramsey, but they have been featuring for their clubs. Obviously, Bale's got that fantastic headed equaliser in the I don't know millionth minute of that game um, <laughs> against. Uh, just just before you move on from that, though, did you see some of his defensive work in that thirty minutes yeah. of extra time? I was going to mention that today. Actually, I, his headers. Um, he was he, yeah. he, he was positioned in the you know what I would call the Alan Shearer role, where he was kind of on the front post, and you just. <laughs> batter away anything that comes near you and he did that excellently again it just goes to show all these things people say about Gareth Bale he is an ultimate team player um, and he'll sacrifice what he needs to do what he wants to do for the good of the team and then of course he can still produce that moment and you know I've questioned whether he should be starting against the USA um, you know on on the basis and again to be clear just on the basis of the performance against Poland and Belgium but you, you, you can see that when it comes to it he's still a big game player he can he can really produce it um, when it, when 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 he needs to, when he needs that bit of magic, he's he's still got it somewhere in him. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I I totally agree with you. Um, to to look at those injuries, Ruth uh, Russell Martin has come out and said a few interesting things this week about Joe Allen that he's doing everything cryo chambers and whatever, you know, to ensure that he's fit. Uh, for this, uh, he, uh, that's that's our only kind of big concern at this point, isn't it? Really. Um. Well, I, I mean, I think there's a few knocks. Um. You know, we've mentioned Colwell coming back. He's only had 15 minutes of, of playing time recent last couple of months, I guess. But but yes, obviously Joe Allen is the key injury at the minute. 
Um, I feel like I'm tempting fate terribly when we've got games through Sunday still to go. Uh, but yeah, he's he's the real worry. Clearly, uh, we are a, we are a different team uh, with him on the field versus without him. I, even now, I mean, I don't think he's at his best, and we're probably not going to see his best even if he's able to play for us in this tournament. But I, th- I think it's t- he's too valuable to not hope that he's good to go. Um, uh, I mean, I think an Ampadu Morel pairing, it's not a bad option. It, it's just, it's more that the knock-on effect it has on what back th- central back three we can put out and those sorts of things. So I think because Joe's role is so pivotal, it does have, it has more impact than just a player being missing, if you know what I mean. It throws up questions about, you know, should we pull Ramsey back and put him in a more defensive role, which I wouldn't advocate for, but we've, we have done that on occasion. You know, it throws up questions which, when he's there, aren't even on the table. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do think this is the first time in a long time that he's been, and I don't mean this in a, you know, in a, in a piss-take way, but I, I, think that, that I think he's been replaceable. And, and I think mm-hmm. that if Ampadu would have to come into midfield and uh, whoever that extra person is, uh, Cabango, Lockyer, whatever, drops into defence, I, I, I still don't think that's the end of the world either, you know? So I, I think it, he's he is dip, replaceable at the moment. But mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we, we desperately want him there. I think all of this, to be honest, discussion lends itself to thinking um, through... A lens of how we will perform at the tournament. It's great that we've, you know, we've got all these players there. But I think there's a, I think sometimes it's easy to go right. Well, Bale, Ramsey, and Allen are there. We're going to smash these lads. Like, it, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, I, I think we also need to have a bit of extra context at the minute, given everyone's age, yeah. age and everything. I um I watched Newcastle highlights yesterday for, uh, for those who don't know, Newcastle drew nil nil with Crystal Palace in the League Cup and beat them on penalties. Um. I watched the you know as much of the game as I could on a hooky stream and and it really struck me that there were lads there who haven't played a 90 minute football match for a long long time and it was mm-hmm. visible some could be fully fit you could even say someone's match fit but to you know to to come out and play your first proper competitive game for for a long time is a difficult thing to do right mm-hmm. and you know John Joe Shelby, Javier Manquillo, like they looked like they hadn't played a full football match in a long time. And it got me thinking about this and the World Cup because, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it's vital that Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, if, he, if he's there, that these people who are the linchpins, the key parts of our team, even Harry Wilson, who is starting a bit for Fulham, but not regularly. Same for Dan James. Mm-hmm. You know, these people need to come in and hit the ground running. And that's hard when you've not been playing much football or at least, you know, regular competitive week in, week out, because obviously you're going to play three group games in, I think, 10 days, maybe even nine days for us. It's a lot, isn't it? And I do wonder if there's going to be some teams in the tournament who their lack of regular game time, if they get far before the tournament, may actually pay off further down the line. Um do you understand what I mean? Like, I think there's like... Yeah, to sort of grow, grow into yeah, it. If exactly. they can get through the group stages, they'll grow into it as a team. Because like, I think there's some arguments yeah, in that. Like Conte said um, yesterday. I, I think, I, I think there's a... I think there's a 
it's a, it's it's a, there's arguments both ways. I think there are some teams where their players are going to have been hammered since August. Yeah. And they they're going to be running on vapors. And there's adva- you know there's advantages to having as you said players that are match ready. And there are disadvantages to the mileage in the legs. And and you can you can you know you can counter those arguments with teams that perhaps are made up more of players that haven't seen so much playing time and they're coming in without the match yeah. um, sharpness, but are they actually physically just in a better state? And I, and I don't think there's a right and wrong answer to that. And I suspect it's a team that has a bit of both across their 11 is actually going to get the best out of this, this, particular, um, this particular tournament. Yeah, I, I think you, what you've said there about running on vapours is really interesting. Conte said yesterday that he brought Kane off because he was so so tired I think was it was his words and that is definitely going to affect people um and I think that there's going to be some people who will definitely teams will definitely grow into the tournament and I think that does apply to Wales I think what's difficult for us is that first game against the USA is obviously a huge huge game but they are no mugs they've got a very young like I looked at their squad because that was announced last night as well they've got a young very vibrant energetic Squad, not bags, not bags of experience, but you know, there's some real quality there. But there's some, you know, there's mm-hmm. some real legs in that team, and I think if they come out firing, they could be a real, you know, they could cause us a few problems on the basis that you know people could be a bit lackluster for not having too much game time. So, um, I, I think they might be, they might be an interesting example of what I was saying, Dave, of a mix of um, sort of backgrounds in the sense of what the season's been. You know, they're going to have some players coming off. The US season, which is obviously just finished, as we, as we know, Gareth's Gareth's got another trophy. Yeah. Um, but there isn't there isn't the kind of Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday sort of nuss of the American season. So their season hasn't been as heavy, although they're at the end of it. And then they've got a obviously a, a quite a selection of European players from across different leagues who have had a more sort of busy autumn. And ironically, I think that might might help the US that they're going to have these two uh, backgrounds to the players in camp. Yeah. And I think if they navigate that carefully, as you say, especially with their speed, it could actually be a real plus for them. And I think it's another reason why we have to be careful, even if we think Joe Allen is fit, is he actually going to be fit enough to handle the speed of the US? It might be that that. it's not the game to to start him in, even if he's ready. Yeah, I, I would be starting Ampadu in that game, re- regardless of this, just because of that extra dynamism. I, I, Joe Morell has yeah. that in spades as well. So I, I think it's important that we don't lose that game. Uh, st- stupidly obvious thing to say, but in, in the context of the tournament, I think England will probably go out and smash Iran maybe two, three goals. I think then that, that middle game where they face the USA, I think they'll probably nick that. Again, I think their attacking line will be stronger than the, the Americans' defence. And then it will all come down to that. So I'm hoping that by the time we've kind of grown into it, we'll start to be at our strongest by the time we face the, the most complex and difficult group game, obviously against England. So I, I, there's there's definitely that plus side to it to, for me. But I think the you know the the concern, if you like, that we know Bale is someone who needs a bit of a run to get going. Um, I think is is, is slightly concerned. But uh, you know, I suppose he did play half an hour. Um, on the weekend, you, you you just don't know, do you? It's just, it's so uh, I don't know. It's exciting, but it's also absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the, the nature the nature of the timing of the tournament has thrown up a lot of questions which aren't 
wouldn't be normal at this kind of a week before the a week before a tournament starts when it's usually in June. You know, you'd, people are, would have been in camp for three weeks. You might have had a couple of friendlies. You can you can start to see what the managers are, are doing. You can see who's really in you know who's really in nick and and who's carrying the weight of a season. And and we all we can't answer any of those questions because it's such a different dynamic this time around. And I I think every team is kind of feeling their way through that and trying to work out what makes sense for them in this context. And I think the answers are going to be different for, for example, for the South American teams who are coming off a season. I think it's going to be different. Uh, I'm actually interested to see how they navigate a tournament at the end of their season when they usually, they usually have to pause mid-season. Yeah. And, you know, it's worked, it's worked for and against them. Venues have worked for and against them. And I think, I think there's just, I think there's just a lot of questions around the timing of this particular tournament, which makes it very, well, clearly it's very unusual. And hence there's a lot of uncertainty around some of these kind of frameworks that we might usually hang opinions on. I've just, they're just not there at the moment. Yeah. No, you're right. And it's, it's going to be different. I think there's going to be my take on the tournament as a whole is I think there's going to be for the first time in a long time, I think we're going to get a genuine surprise winner. I think mm-hmm. someone and I, and I don't necessarily think it will be Wales, but I use this as an example of someone who have some quality, you know, a sprinkling of quality people who are going to be a bit fresh because they haven't played week in week out for what will probably feel like ages. Um, and we'll kind of grow into the tournament, battle through some group games, and then by the time it gets to the end, they're going to be up against some quality teams, but they'll be fresher uh, and, and you know, uh, be a danger in a different way, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would actually, oddly, I would put the USA in that in that category potentially as well. Um, I, I also think that Denmark is someone else who, who could potentially do that. And again, I'm not saying I think these teams are going to win, but I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if a few of these type of teams go deep into the competition and once once you get past a certain point you're just in anything can happen territory so um yeah. i'm really interested to see to see how it all pans out um before we talk about uh the you know our overriding excitements and fears um i want to mention the the music video that went out this week um i'm gonna let you go first ruth um, obviously, David Yuan's song Omarohid was released as the official Wales World Cup song with um, a video. I will leave you uh, uh, speak about that, Ruth. But yeah, I, you know, obviously it was fantastic. But I just wanted to know how you watched it, where it first came about, and you know, when the first time you saw it, how did you feel about it? Um, rather than just saying we all know that this is class. <laughs> um, I actually just obviously on the FAW mailing list, so it just it just came through in my uh my email feed and I, I wake up of a morning you know a good sort of eight hours behind the rest of the, rest <laughs> of the Welsh football in watching will um caught up with it uh I mean it bowled me over frankly I like well I think if we could just go back to the sort of the origins of the connection between the song and the team it's very it was very organic wasn't it you know the players were listening to it long before we realised they were listening to it. They were singing it in, you know, in Rome at, at that game. We, yeah. the crowd have adopted it. They've been playing it at uh, the CCS for years and years. And so organically it grew between the players and the fans to the point where, you know, the FAW thought, oh, you know, there really is something here. And then obviously formalised it in the in the playoff games and got David Huon sort of properly involved and... I mean, we all know how emotional that was. So to, just to kind of see that embraced, 
I think is great. I, I mean, you know, Together Stronger works because it, it evolved organically and this song works because its connection with the football team evolved organically. It's not like the FAW picked a, a Welsh folk song off the shelf and said, okay, this is, this is the one we're going to get behind. It was, it was a more dynamic relationship than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I think the video is great. I think the fact that they've been upfront about acknowledging all the historical references in David Yuan's song is really important. It would have been very easy to have edited the video together just with clips of him singing and the crowd singing and the players singing and not really have kind of hit, you know, hit people in the face visually with the with the historic references. I think that's really important. Um, and it's becoming, it is becoming a second anthem, isn't it? You know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's an important statement song. And I love the fact that we've been brave enough to not ignore the politics of it and take it on head on and make a statement about who we are and what we've, what we've gone through. And what, not just what we've gone through from a football point of view, from a football qualifying point of view, from a disappointment point of view, but what we've gone through as a nation. And I think that's really, it's really, um, really invigorating, actually. I'm very... It just makes me very proud. I just, you know, I just want to hug everyone that was involved. In that. <laughs> uh, that is the most Ruth Williams response uh, that I <laughs> that I could imagine. Um, you used a word when you were talking about there, brave, and I think that was the first thing I thought. Um, I I woke up on Monday morning and and was kind of flicking through my phone, and if I'm honest, I I totally forgot that it was coming out Monday, um, and. I kind of leafed through it and saw it. I was like, oh, Christ, that's coming out today. And I was kind of, you know, Joy and my wife had just taken the dog out for a walk. So I was just like, right, I'm just going to have a little five minutes here and watch this and and then I'll get up get up and get on with my day. And uh, and I, I watched about 30 seconds of it and they had all the clips of the, the game and the day and people cheering and screaming and whatever. And then it kicks in. I was just like, this is class, like goosebumps. And, uh, and I got about, 90 seconds into it and they started showing all the historic footage and I was thinking to myself wow like that is that's really like powerful emotive challenging stuff to to put out there like that will ask make people ask questions about why that's on that video if they don't know already Mm -hmm. and I was just like that is unbelievable and then about 120 seconds in I was just lying in bed crying uh, <laughs> uh, because you're hit with the, the the noise and the imagery and the history and and the song itself and you know from a selfish perspective me thinking I remember I remember watching this happen with my own eyes uh, you know against Ukraine and against Austria myself and you know that gets you going a bit anyway it's about half an hour later and I'm still sat in bed and I've basically watched this video a hundred times on <laughs> And uh, and Joy comes back from walking the dog, and she was like, "Are you all right?" And I was just like, "I just couldn't say words." And I think she, I think she thought someone had died, um, because I was just staring at my phone, just in like just tears pouring down my face. And she was like, "Oh my god!" And she kind of came to look at what I was looking at, and she was like, "What's this?" And I was just like, "Wales have released the World Cup song today," and she was like, "Oh my god." Um, you dick. Um, but to someone who I just I would describe Joy, especially you know my obsession with football, as someone who I wouldn't say hates football, but certainly hates how much I love football. Um, <laughs> she often describes herself as a as a football widow in that context. Um, so 
she kind of sat on the bed and was like, fine, I'll humour you, uh, and watched it. And about two minutes in, I kind of looked up at her and she was like, bloody hell, that gets you, doesn't it? Um, and for, I, I thought that was also really interesting, that someone who has no mm-hmm. interest in this, in, in a obviously, I mean, she, she wants Wales to do well, but in a, in a real sense, she doesn't have any, any connection to it. I, I, thought, I thought her reaction was really telling as well. And I think that is something that is symptomatic of the whole situation where it's dragging people in who... I don't want to say don't care, but sort of don't care. Um, and and I just thought that, for me, is kind of what this is about. Maybe you and I and whoever else who are into Welsh football and Welsh history or Welsh independence or whatever, you will know a lot of this stuff. You will know what this means. But to see these things and her ask questions afterwards, I was like, wow. Um, I thought that was great. And I went you know, went to school that day. And, and for regular listeners or you know, people, regular followers of us, I... I did a thing last year in school where I got a load of my kids in school. All of year seven last year sang Amor Ohid. Um, I taught it to them. We did like a big assembly. I've got a video of it somewhere on Twitter if you're interested in finding it. And um, I thought, oh, I've got a few of those kids today. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I wonder what will happen if I play it. So as they all kind of piled into the lesson, I didn't say anything. Um, I just walked in and, and pressed play. And a few of them were kind of bopping along because it's a very catchy tune and... Um, and we're kind of singing along in the chorus, which was quite lovely. And uh, and a few of the boys are big football fans, like, oh my gosh, Gareth Bale, blah, blah. Um, and then at the end of it, I was, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was in tears this time, thank God, but um, I was, you know, still a bit emotional about it. And a few of them said, one, one girl in particular said, oh, what does that, like, what does all that mean? And I was just like, well, <laughs> can- <laughs> cancel the rest of your day. Um but I, because I, I, I've referenced a lot of these things when we talked about Emma Heed and and what mm-hmm. the what the what the the song means and what it's about and, and and history and and stuff like that and and one girl said like what were they fighting over and you know it's mad to say being able to teach Welsh in Wales like mm-hmm. do, do you know what I mean and when you actually put it in context when you put it out of context sorry to people who have no real idea of what you're talking about you actually say those words out loud and it's mad. And for a, for mm-hmm. a big organisation to be challenging the things that are around them in such a visceral way, um, I thought was I thought was unbelievable. I thought it was so powerful and brave. And if if anyone can find me any better, I was going to say music video, just any better video, any in your life, um, I will give you a hundred pounds because it's just an impossible task. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm waffling now, but I, I just I just thought it was unbelievable. And just a great statement of where we are and where we want to be as a nation. And, I, and I'm so proud of, of everyone who's been part of putting that together. And, and uh, yeah, oh Christ, I'm going to have to stop now. But you say something nice. <laughs> Your turn. You say something. I, I don't know. In hindsight, no, I'm, I'm wondering about my description of brave because it shouldn't, it shouldn't, you shouldn't need to be brave to acknowledge your history, should you? But... I think when you're an organisation that has a public face the way the FAW has, there's a lot of organisations in their role that would play things safe. And I think that's what I mean. I like the fact that they didn't play it safe. I like the fact that they took things head on here and made sure that the true meaning of the song was represented in the video. It's not just about something we sing at games. It's about what it says about our place in the world and the journey that we're on. And I like the fact that they didn't shy away from that. No, I agree. And I think that is that I think that's why I'm calling it brave. It's, be, it's brave because of who they are. 
Um, yeah. And I and I think that's that's the thing for me. Um, and you know, it could be, it's easy for them to shy away from these things, and they could have just put a nice montage of us scoring goals, and I would probably would have cried to that as well. But I think for to be that impactful in in the situation, I, I think was amazing. So, yeah, huge credit to everyone involved there. I just thought that was. Uh, a, fan, a fantastic thing to do. Um, before, I, go on. While we're talking about the FAW briefly, can I just talk about this, some lovely pictures on Twitter this morning of Gareth Bale, who's already in camp. I mean, he's like that kid <laughs> that gets, gets, you know, when you're going on a school trip and you have to leave early and there's one kid that's in the car park about half an hour before the bus even arrives, <laughs> you know? It's like he's that kid, and somehow he still manages to be cool. Um, there's some lovely pictures of Bale and um, Terry Medwin and Cliff Jones um, on Twitter this morning on the FAW's feed, which are just a joy to see. Uh, and I just I love the fact that they've brought in. Well, I mean, it's 64 years. I'm glad we've still got some of those players around to enjoy this moment. It's sad that there's so you know it's taken so long to get here, and there's just so few of the team of 58 still able to enjoy it. But uh, it was it was lovely to see those pictures. Yeah, it really was, and I think the way everything has been done um, is so is so FAW. I, like I, I think we've been critical of. Um, of some stuff they've done and some stuff they've deserved that criticism, but I think there's some stuff that they always seem to get right. And I think the, it would be quite easy to be, and I, and I don't mean this in a piss takey way, but it would be quite easy to be a bit three lionsy about it. Like we were Welsh. We like these things and we're going to win games. And like, do you know what I mean? Like it would be quite easy to be that way, especially the third time around in, in six years. What a mad thing to say. Um, but, <laughs> Um, have I been drinking? Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's true, isn't it? That it would be quite easy to do that, and 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 I think it's one yeah. thing to pick the right song. I think it's one thing to hit the nail on the head with the tone of it and everything else. I think it's another thing to get the imagery so good, but to be so like down the line on politics or independence and football and music and you know hit the heart of the nation at the right point and do you know what I mean to, to tick all those boxes in one four minute video I think mm-hmm. I know we avoid the f word here but I'm going to say to do that is fucking incredible and I think that that is so on the nose that I, I don't think you know, and I, but and by that I mean like doing it in in, in Tyler's Town and, and the and the and the welfare hall and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It just felt like this is a really Welsh way to do that, and not a stereotypical Welsh way. I didn't see a sheep, yeah. but uh, you know, do you know what I mean? You could have played into those stupid stereotypes. You could have wheeled out a male voice choir to sing Amor Heed instead. Do, do you know what I mean? And that wouldn't yeah. have been, it wouldn't have been bad, but this was class and I, and I think that's that little difference there and I, I think they seem to get this stuff so right so you know we're, we're quick at times to criticize the FAW but I, I also think we, we should um, applaud them when it's necessary and I think they definitely deserve that applause at the moment as well agreed agreed oh that was more emotional I was thinking about getting on a, <laughs> uh, at six o'clock on a Thursday um 
<laughs> yeah. So the the one more thing I wanted to wanted to speak about Ruth, just as we as we look to wrap up, is what you're excited about and what you're what you're kind of nervous about. If we if we want to if we want to take turns here, I, I've talked a lot there. So you go first. What are you? Let's start on a on a negative so that we can finish on a positive. What are you nervous about as we as as we approach this? There's a kind of very immediate concern, which is the fact that as we've mentioned, we've got games through Sunday. And, you know, players who are going to lace up their boots for their clubs and hopefully come yeah. off the field in one piece after 90 minutes. Um, I think that's my, that's my most immediate nerves. It was very strange watching the, watching the announcement yesterday and then thinking, okay, so it's, it's kind of provisional almost. We've got to get to Monday. And that, I think that's, I found that quite unsettling actually. So that's my most immediate uh, worry, and it's just getting through Sunday's games. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I, I think I'm the same as you. I think I'm worried about the, just someone else picking up a knock. I'm, I'm just worried about some element of bad news. I, I think we, we, I think we're in for a, a weekend of really shit football matches um, in, in a Premier League level, or, or you know any kind of top flight division. I, I think there's going to be so many people who are protecting themselves, knowing what's you know a week away. Um, so I, I do think that's going to happen. I think if anyone's going to bet on any sort of games this weekend, I think this is the weekend to. <laughs> stick a tenner on the underdog in as many uh, in many cases as you as you see fit um yeah I, I think I'm with you there I, I'm, I'm nervous I'm nervous about on, on a personal level I'm nervous about what it's going to be like there um I, mm-hmm. like I, I you know I'm, I'm fairly well traveled so I'm not nervous in terms of like the, the 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 location just about what it's going to be like having so many people uh in in such a small place and you know, there's a lot of laws and a lot of questions and I, I, I'm concerned, you know, about protests and that sort of stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and I hope that those, you know, those concerns are uh, over-egged in my mind, should we say. But, yeah, I uh, that, that that's what I'm a little bit nervous of. I, you know, I know I'm going to have a good time. I know it's going to be expensive, but, you know, I, I, I th- th- those kind of is playing on my mind a little bit, I suppose. But I think my final nervousness and I don't think it's particularly well founded but you know we are Welsh football fans after all so it wouldn't be right going into a tournament with pessimism without any pessimism there's this little nagging bell in the back of my mind that's like all of these players are, are older all of these players are maybe just that little bit too far maybe one of these two players have got one too many knocks that this might be a, a bridge too far for us and we end up with you know with I don't want to say three defeats because I don't think it'll have three defeats, but you know, uh, a negative ending to this journey, we may not get out of the group. I suppose that's my, that's my main concern nerves wise. I think. It's amazing, isn't it? That we're actually going into a tournament and not getting out of the group would, would, <laughs> wouldn't feel great. I think that there's, um, a measure of success that we've had over the, well, as you said, three three tournaments in six years. It's left us with such different expectations. I have to keep reminding myself that, you know, as we, as we the game in Bordeaux, for example, singing the anthem and seeing a goal, that's actually, that was our kind of tick list. Um, so I think it's wonderful that we've moved to a different place, but I think we've got to be, 
careful about what that says about our kind of relationship with the game and and, and the joy we can take from it as well. I don't want to miss the good things because the good things list might have got, the sort of expectations of good things list might have got so long that we forget to enjoy some of the things at the top of the list while we're busy chasing the things at the bottom of the list. I know what you mean. Um, that's quite deep. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I think what I, I maybe I worded that badly. I'm not. If we don't get out of the group, we don't get out of the group. And my my thing maintains that I want to sing the anthem in that USA game, and I want to I want to see us score a goal in that game. I think what I mean is I I don't want to see us embarrassed. I don't want us. If we lose all three games, we lose all three games. I I, I can live with that. But I want us to have been, you know a part of those three games i don't want us to mm-hmm. go, I, I know i hope it's not gonna happen i don't want to say i know but you know i i, I you know s- sort of three two nil defeats or something like that do you know what i mean that's the thing i'm yeah. I'm, I'm nervous about rather than if we get knocked out in the group stage we get knocked out i i just want us to kind of take part in the tournament rather than just be a, a side note in us I, I suppose is what i'm trying to say um let's be positive ruth we uh we are at a world cup for the first time in 64 years which is just again, an unbelievable sentence to say. I, I guess. I, I, what, what, what are you excited about? What are you, you know, where are you going to watch your first game? Have you, have you made a plan yet? Have you got, have you got things lined up? Still, still working on the specifics, but I'll be. There's a couple of good um, soccer pubs in Eugene, so I'll be down at one of those. It's a nice little Irish pub called the Pint Pot, which is probably the most likely place I'm going to go at the minute. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to being probably one of very few Welsh, Welsh <laughs> fans there in amongst the sea of, uh, sea of USA fans. So that'll be different. Uh, I think there's, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for that game in particular because I think it's, it's a moment where um, the kind of the, like the language that, that I speak as a international, a follower of international football and what, the American cohort that I'll be sharing that experience with. I think it's one of the few times there'll be a sort of commonality to what we're doing. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. The, I'm fortunate the West Coast over here is actually pretty good, well-educated football football fan base. Um, so it's, it's a good place by US standards uh, to be to watch games like this. There's an appreciation of the international game. Uh, so, yeah, that's the plan at the minute. Well, that sounds kind of great, to be honest. I, um, <laughs> I might, I might fly over. Um, no, I, I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about about a World Cup is the the internationalness. I, I don't. That's, mm-hmm. that's not a word, but that 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 is what I think I I'm, I'm excited about, especially over there. I mean, you, you there's going to be all of these fans from 32 different countries, basically in a large city. Um, yeah. So I, that, I'm, I think that's going to be really cool. It's going to be weird, and there's bits of it that are going to be shit. But I think it's, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited, you know, when we when I come back to school, and you know, it, I've got kids who are going to Qatar. I've got I- I- Iranian kids who are in the Netherlands and are, and are talking about, you know, can I come and watch that game in school with you, Mister Reese, and you know, all this stuff. And I haven't had the tart heart to tell them that I've booked the day off yet, but. Um, <laughs> uh, you know it, that's the sort of stuff that I'm you know I think that's great and I've already had some kids taking the piss out of me for you know obviously some English kids in school and having some back and forth with them and I, and I love that I think that's what this is all about I've one kid I mentioned before um who's who's a big big uh, big Belgian fan 
is already kind of you know giving me the nod as we walk down the corridor and stuff like that and and I, and I love that and I think I've you know where we live the 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 Dutch flags are everywhere I I I almost want us to play the Netherlands if we get through just because I would just be mad to see what it's like and for those of you who have never been to the Netherlands um especially at this time of year when it, well not this time of year but when a tournament is on I can't explain to you what it's like you turn down a street and it's everyone in the whole street must have decided, right, okay, this weekend we're pressing go on everything orange in the world. <laughs> and I'm not joking, you turn down streets and they are, there's orange bunting from roof to roof across the street, there's orange lights, there's orange flags, um, there's orange everything. And and then you turn right down the next street and there's nothing there. And you it, it, it's, it's mad. Uh, my local pub, Bar 188 in The Hague, they they have uh, on Sunday. I went there to watch the Newcastle match, and uh, they started to decorate the pub. And I, I, I was it was like I was in a fever dream. Like everything, and, <laughs> and I mean everything, is now orange or a Dutch flag, with literally no exceptions. There were orange balloons being put up. There's orange banners outside. The flag that they've got basically wraps around the entire outside of the pub. Um, they've got orange everything orange t-shirts inside orange flags orange like like orange boxer shorts like tied to a washing line that they've hung up in the in the in the like it's mad and i think bloody hell you know what a weird pub i come to it's not weird literally everyone does it and like it's that whole thing is something that i just love and i'm you know so excited to to be part of that here and when watching other games and experiencing it from another side um, mm-hmm. That's what the World Cup's all about, right? I know there's also lo- all sorts of serious issues with this, but really, as football fans, we didn't decide this. We didn't have a hand in this. We're here to watch football matches um, and, and enjoy what that means in different parts of the world. And I think that's really cool. And I'm, and I'm really excited about that. And I've got, you know, one of my mates here is Scottish and he's going to be supporting the Dutch. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Dutch do well in the bits that Wales aren't playing. And, you know, as long as we beat them, if we play them, then, then, then I'm all right <laughs> with that. Um, I've got a, you know, every every house here has like a, a flagpole outside their house in my area for some reason. Um, so I bought a new flagpole for our house this uh, yesterday, and I've and I've stuck my my big Welsh Coleman had a dream flag uh, outside the house, which I'm sure the neighbours well the neighbours hate us anyway, but I'm sure this will uh, this will not help. So yeah, it, it's just uh, the whole thing. It's just it's great to be part of, and you know it's great to to be thinking that we're part of this tournament and we're not watching this on TV. We're you know we're we're there. We're, it's happening to us with us, and I, I think that's just amazing. So I'm I'm just so excited for what's for whatever happens in the next in the next two weeks or so. It's just going to be a fantastic experience, and I'm and I'm so excited to watch it. I think that point you made, Dave, about the the sort of confined geography of Qatar and the fact that the the fans are all effectively in a city, you know, from the 32 countries are all in a city. And we can, you know, we've, we've discussed a number of times the, the, the concerns around having a tournament in Qatar and the reservations and the questions that haven't been answered and all of those sorts of things. And I don't want to downplay those, but I, I am interested to see how the dynamic of this confined geography for the fans at least plays out. Uh, because I think it has the potential to be really an, a really interesting, uh, energizing dynamic, but whether that is then overlaid 
of course, with the fact that one is in Qatar and the restrictions that apply and that sort of thing. So I'm just, I'm, you know, just as an observer from the outside in, I'm interested to see how that develops. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you've got to be open-minded if you want to go to, mm-hmm. to, to somewhere different, for whether it's because of football or otherwise. And I think that's an important part of that. And I think if we want, as a, as, as a Western society, this is getting quite deep, actually, um, for, <laughs> for, for, for us, for, for, um, people in different parts of the world to adopt similar you know values and ideals to us then i think you have to be willing to to see what it's like there i think it's you know i, I genuinely think that's important and i think you know whilst i'm not going on some kind of you know humanitarian mission i also think it's important to see these places and and and, and have a genuine perspective of what these places are like because it's easy to have a, a an image, if you like, in your mind's eye of what this place is going to be like, and I'm and I'm sure it's going to be totally different when we get there. So I, I also think that's really important when it when we consider the the kind of deeper issues. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't want us, you know, I don't want this to become uh, news night. So uh, let's <laughs> let's steer clear of geopolitics. Um, I uh, yeah, I, I I'm intrigued to see Ruth uh, to to know. Sorry. Um, if you're if you're daring enough at this stage to make a quick yes or no prediction for me, uh, we leave that till the next. We do that next week. I've intentionally not told you about that. Um, I feel like I feel like we're we're tempting so many fates when we've got play. Like I said, players running out Saturday, Sunday. Like, can we get the other side of that first? I mean, we can. We'll do it properly next week as well. But I'm just interested in a quick yes or no from you, Ruth, because you know, as as, as Joy always reminds me, this has absolutely zero impact on the outcome, regardless. I think it's going to be a no comment. Regardless of how many times I wear my lucky pants, they don't actually change the outcome of a football game. So, Ruth, I just want a quick yes or no from you. It's a big question, but you know, I want a quick yes or no. Are Wales going to win the World Cup? <laughs> Um, I don't think that's very likely now. <laughs> well, there you go. I think we are. So, uh, so sod Ruth. I tell you one la- one last thing I want to ask you, Ruth, before we we finish on a light hearted note. I was uh, watching the match on the weekend, and obviously Newcastle are doing quite well at the minute, which is uh, rare. Um, and someone said, "Imagine that this season, Newcastle win a cup, Wales win the World Cup." <laughs> And then the local team that we have our uh, season tickets to here, Ado Den Haag, get promoted. Like, what would you do? Like, what would you do <laughs> next time? Like, have you completed football? Is have you? Is that the end then? What do you do? Do I have, do I have to start? Like, do I have to be a fan of a different sport now? Like, I, what happens after that? I don't know. So I just want you to ponder that, Ruth, and I, you know, let me know what you think because I'm in, I'm intrigued, Ruth. What what would you do next? <laughs> I think that's the point of when. People start getting greedy, don't they? Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, I, yeah, yeah. I, I want to win it better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go, ladies and gents. Uh, I think to say we were going to do a quick pod and uh, <laughs> I've cried and we're 55 minutes in, I think it's safe to say, as always, uh, we have not let you down here on, on Colin Had a Dream. Um, I want to finish just as a reminder to mention BagsyBags.com, who is our sponsor, our partner. Um, if you use the code CHAD10, you will get 10% off at BagsyBags.com, where you can buy T-shirts, hats, uh, bags, obviously, uh, mugs, jumpers, all sorts of stuff, Welsh football and Wales related. So please go to BagsyBags.com 
and use the code CHAD10. That gives you 10% off, but it also helps financially support us and keep the podcast going as well. So again, go to bagsybags.com and use the code CHAD10 for a discount. Um, There you go. I think I've done everything, Ruth. I've kept my housekeeping pretty short and, and, and tidy there. So unless you've got anything to add, I think we are done. No, that's great. And just another thank you to the guys that have been. <laughs> You've cut out there, Ruth, but I'm going to finish your sentence for you. <laughs> thank you to everyone who's been writing for us, I think is what Ruth is trying to say there. I can't be bothered to edit this. I'm tired. Um, so <laughs> so there you go. Thank you very much to everyone who's writing for us at ColemanHadADream.com and everyone who is already supporting us as well. Um, I think we'll call it quits there, Ruth as we're yeah, both waffling. That's good. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you for your time, Ruth. As ever. Good fun. And uh, fingers crossed for the lads over the weekend. Yeah, it'll be fine. Let's just drink a lot. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> okay, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And we will speak to you next week with a Wales-USA preview. Thank you and goodbye. Bye-bye.